0: So the What Are We Even Doing Here podcast, a podcast that seeks to answer the question of what are we even doing here from a biblical perspective? This is in our own lives and the world in general. My name is Daryl, and I'm here with my wife, Karen.
1: Yep.
0: Yep, she's here. She's here once again. I
1: never know what to
0: say. <laughs> never know what to say, <laughs> but we're also here with other guests, another couple. Yes. And you might know this guy from the Five Soulbists podcast. His name is James Watkins, hey, and he's everyone. here with his wife shelby watkins hello nice.
1: i found out that shelby and i have the same middle name really
0: yeah. that's
2: crazy that's
1: or unless you have the two first name thing and you just don't use it all the time uh, I only know.
3: when i get in trouble
2: <laughs> yeah you know you know it's typical whenever uh especially in the south whenever somebody does something wrong you don't call them just by their first name you call them my first and middle yep and yeah, then you're really, really,
3: really, really in trouble if they use the full name.
2: Yeah, first, middle, and last. And if oh, wow. they throw a nickname in there, then it's big time trouble. Well, my middle name is his first name, James. Oh, so, so we're all connected here.
1: <laughs> did we just become BFOs? I think we did. <laughs> <laughs> and, or
2: in and, and Stepbrother, did we just become best friends? Yep. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the high five. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. So we've been listening to your podcast, you know, since it's been out the five solos podcast and this last episode that you did, hopefully uh, by this time, our audience has had an opportunity to listen to it. where you guys kind of shared your story. You know, when James, when you and I recorded, we found out that uh, you're in the process of becoming foster parents and we are currently foster parents. So another coincidence, yeah, right?
2: <laughs> definitely Providence.
0: Yeah. Something we have in common, but if our, listening audience hasn't heard your story yet. And, you know, just I want you to share a little bit about you guys. And and, uh, I guess just, you know, start with the general question of how did you guys meet?
2: Well, we met right at the time where I was about to commit suicide. So it was actually a good friend of mine. She sent me over a message and she told me to send her a text message, which I did, intoxicated. And (laughs) I'm not going to say what the message said, but (laughs) definitely telling of my intoxication. So I sent her over the text message and I went a little bit further into my depression. It was one of my best friends in high school and she ended up marrying what is her uncle. They're right around the same age. So they invited me to the after party. For their wedding I couldn't make it to the actual wedding because I was so hungover I just laughed mm. and said I had to go to work that night they were like why don't you come to the after party and I was like okay I'll come but I went to the after party with the intention of just seeing them that one last time before I killed myself wow. and that happened to be the night that I met this lovely person beside wow. me and I went home that night and I said everything is going to be okay
1: Wow! and it
2: was that's amazing that's glory. <laughs> glory i'm getting so, major oh, points oh right god, now god. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah yeah and, I, and that's great and, and i listened to that episode that you did uh when you were sharing that story about suicide and everything so i encourage you know our listeners definitely check out that episode uh and it's just the, an amazing testimony of how god uses people to just intertwine you know and even when you talked about um how you met uh, frank mullis you yeah. know through the uh jiu-jitsu right jiu-jitsu.
2: yeah many through jiu and what what's really incredible is that i met frank probably seven years six years before i went through that bout with depression and wanting to take my life and the incredible thing is is that god had already that early set the pieces in motion for my salvation and mm-hmm. i had no idea whatsoever
0: that, that's that is amazing that's
2: amazing.
0: Uh, so you, you met through that situation. And uh, how long after
2: that until you were married? We got together. It was in August of 2012. August 15th, 2012 is when we officially became a couple. And we were married that next November. So November 16th, 2013 is actually when we we, we were engaged by Christmas. We started dating in August. By Christmas, we were engaged. So that was it. in 2016, you got married, you said? No,
0: 2013. 2013. Oh, when did I get 16? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so good at listening. <laughs> okay, so you've been married for, let's do some math. Uh,
3: Five years, it'll be six years this year.
0: Six years <laughs> this year. Awesome.
2: She's the math whiz. Yeah. <laughs> it
0: could take a while. That's great. Yeah, how long have we been married? Did we just have 15? 15.
1: I almost wow. said 14. I'm like, what, what yes, is second. Yes,
0: 15, 15. And it, it's crazy. And we're just blessed to still be married. You know, we almost got divorced at one point. That's actually how I came to the Lord. Was And I think I was talking about this with you before when I was on your show. You know, it was the movie Fireproof. Mm-hmm. Save me. Kirk Cameron saved me. I <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's Kirk Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> Kirk
0: Cameron. Point to Cameron. Yeah.
1: you yeah.
0: yeah, it's <laughs> just, and, and that's kind of how, you know, we came up with the title for our show what are we even doing here because it's just amazing when you look and see where God has has brought us from where we were where we could have been and where we are now it's like wow like what are we even doing here it's like not even by our own strength are we here so it's just you know the grace of God is
2: just completely amazing it's a question we all contemplate at some point in time it's a big one what am I doing (laughs) here
0: definitely and we know where to look for the answers right That's that's right that's right. and that's all we we hope to point people in that direction. On this episode at least talk about the thing we have in common of, of fostering. You're going are you done your classes for fostering or
3: uh, yes, we have completed all our classes. We got some paperwork and just little stuff to turn in.
0: Yeah, it's always that those little things, right? That you have yes. to, yeah. the whole process
2: and this. the the classes I think we're was the easy part you know it's going going there for what was it two two full weekends friday saturday sunday Mm -hmm. that we had to go
3: well we're not going through defects we're going through an actual private agency uh, out of dublin georgia
2: yeah. It's the Christian organization that I told you about. The, mm-hmm. Like, the cost and all associated with it, like, if we wanted to adopt, you know, typically you're looking like $40,000. With them, it can be as, like, 2000 Because
3: it's technically the kids are placed in defects in the state of Georgia, and they pull from all over the state. And they, they come into this. It's just a private agency. And what's crazy is... Frank being involved again. Yeah. <laughs> his brother and sister-in-law actually have a little boy through the agency and they're yeah. the ones who introduced us to this agency.
2: Yeah, and the trainer for the class is a uh, pastor. So we went through the class and you know, I'm sitting there, you know, with with a trying to be a discerning ear, you know, trying to find the little <laughs> things. And you know, I'm not going to lie. There were, there were some things in the class that were said I was just I have a bad habit like whenever I hear something I know it's wrong, I go <sighs> And, and I did it during the class a few times. Dude, I, I think we're, like, separated, like,
0: as, like we're related somehow, because I do the same thing. Right? Like, like like every everything I listen to, I'm like, wait, okay.
2: Uh, maybe. I don't know. I, I would take the deep breath. I'd be sitting there, and I would – and I would see Shelby's head just slowly turn and look at me.
3: Because when he did this, it wasn't like the room was loud or somebody no. was talking. It was like he did it as soon as they stopped talking and it was silent. And all you heard was James' deep breath and let out. And I'm just looking at him.
2: Well, there were only four of us in the class. But they, they did make us sign a, uh, we did have to sign a statement of faith that held to essentials like Deity of Christ, Trinity, Uh, salvation by grace alone through faith alone Mm -hmm. so sufficiency and efficiency of scripture so i wouldn't assign that if if it was something that was off right right yeah
0: well that's good but uh right now i think we're gonna take a little break and hear a commercial from some podcast called the, uh, the five solas
4: podcast the five solas podcast a weekly podcast hosted by James Watkins that is dedicated to the Reformed theological distinctives and their continued relevance for the church and world today. Grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone, scripture alone, to the glory of God alone. Join us each episode to discuss the truths of these foundational rallying cries of the Protestant reformers, the prophetic challenge they present, and the sound wisdom they provide. As we delve into their biblical meaning and theological significance and reflect upon and appropriate their truths, we will be engaging issues in the church and world. Each week, from the rich insight of Reformation Christianity we will be showing all the manifold ways in which this material helps challenge and direct the current church in its life of worship and witness and confront the idols of our age with biblical discernment and a sound apologetic in a manner that is as open and transparent as possible, while challenging you to seek the glory of God in all that you do. solely, Deo Gloria.
0: And we're back. on the, and,
1: and we're back with we're back. with the Watkins dog. With the
0: Watkins know. dog. Yes, Watkins dog. Right Lord in the middle of, we, of us, here. as always. As always. So we're, we're talking about uh, fostering, and uh, it's a little different in, in New Jersey because we're not going through a Christian organization. I'm
1: wondering if there is any. Yeah, I know. Now it's Jersey? like, oh man, we should have looked into it because there might be
0: one here yeah. that, that does what's going on with you guys. So uh, we
1: went through what's the equivalent of DFACS, I guess, in Georgia. DCP and P
0: here. Yeah, DCP and P. It used to be called Difus, but then it like got a bad reputation, so they changed the name of it. C- you know, M- what is it?
2: M- yeah, but it's still child protective service. Yeah, child protective service. Yeah, yeah that, that's that's what DFATS says is here in yeah. the
0: So it was interesting
2: going through those training. Pride
1: training was probably way different.
0: Yeah, because it had what it was it was called Pride Training, but it had an element of it that was like LGBTQ, where we had to go through that where somebody from that uh, like area came in and talked. again. Hard, hard to stay oh, quiet, yeah. but I did in those situations. There but would have been
1: a lot of yeah, yeah, There's a lot of
0: hmm.
1: <laughs> and we didn't take this together. We had to take our classes separate just because of our schedules. So I can imagine if we took it together, there'd be a lot of heads. Yeah, but different. if if we had
2: to go through the uh, state system, it would have been it would have been it a like, much longer class. I and mean, they
3: were thinking it was like twelve weeks of. Yeah. Yeah. This, of, of, I think they did it at night.
2: Yeah, but this one right here is just two weekends. We were through it, and, I mean, we had the same. So basically, they didn't go as in-depth, like, with a whole lot of the terminology. Uh, yeah. But they, they went into practical application more than probably the DFAT system does.
1: How long did your process, like, take overall?
3: So we've kind of talked about it on and off before we got married because my dad's adopted. I just randomly sent him an email probably about a month before the class, and I was like, hey, I need you to fill this out. And he filled it out, and I submitted it, and he's like, what's that for? Yeah,
2: I, I, we had talked about it, and I, I get this text, hey, I need you to fill this, because I'm the, I'm the grammatical whiz, so I'm the one that, that's in charge of all the grammar. And I get this message that <laughs> says, hey, I need you to fill this out. And I'm at it, I'm like, okay, I don't know what the uh. and I you know, I start getting like some of the questions, I'm like, this is a little suspicious. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but he sends it back to me, and I just submit it, and then it's kind of like
2: it, it just quick. moves
3: fast because we were thinking, you know, hey, we're going to get in this, do a class in about five months, and, you know, maybe right. at the end of the year, and it, it just was like, bam, 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 bam.
2: Yeah, we got wow. in the class almost immediately after submitting. About a month. About a month after submitting it. That was when the next class was. I guess the benefit was that it's it's such a small agency that they don't have as many people applying for it as someone like DFATS does. So we were able to get in really quick, get through the training, and pretty much apart from like the home study, them coming in telling us that we need to, you know, put the baby lots on the doors, we have to get like tuberculosis tests, we have to get physicals done, all that good stuff. So once once that's completed, we would be ready for replacement.
1: Ours took nine or ten months, I want to say
2: wow yeah like the kind of the from From, like
1: the intro meeting too
0: yeah you go to like a big intro meeting of everybody that's interested and from there you fill out paperwork and they contact you and then they send somebody to your home to kind of evaluate your home and then you start going to classes and uh, like karen said we had to go separate because i couldn't go on the she would go on saturdays and i worked on some saturdays so i would she did four saturdays
1: I did, like, double sessions, so.
0: Yeah, so her sessions were longer, I had, like, but...
1: eight-hour sessions.
0: Yeah, and then mine were on Tuesday and Thursday nights for, like, nine sessions. And then once you finish that, then they send another worker out to your house for, like, three interviews, and they ask you all these personal questions that, like. She was
1: coming throughout, like,
0: during. Okay, yes, during that's day. right. She was. She was throughout. Yeah.
1: She was coming throughout the whole process to study us. Right.
0: Yeah. And she's not, call her a caseworker. She's a, she's a resource, resource worker. So she pro- she knows a lot more about us than some of our friends. <laughs>
2: yeah. Now. We had to um I had to fill out again grammatical whiz, but I had to fill, I was getting so frustrated because I was having to fill out basically this entire life biography for both of us online. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, Man, I feel like I'm I'm studying for a for a test or something. Like I, am I am I trying to get into Harvard or are we trying to adopt here? And I, I remember it was, like, 1 o'clock in the morning. I was sitting there getting so frustrated. I, every time I think I was getting to the end of it, I was like, nope, two more questions. And, I mean, these are detailed questions. Like, they, they want to know your your inner personality. They want to know how you tick. Yes. And, I, and, you know, I guess it's a way for them to really dig in and see how you're going to respond in certain situations. But from what I understand, this is going to be stuff that they drill us with whenever they come and do the, the study in home as well.
1: I'm kind of glad they dig that deep, though, because, you know. Yes you know they want to make sure that you're the right people for the job you know yeah. what I mean? yeah. Like,
0: yeah. especially yeah. since you know they're taking a kid out of a situation where they've been abused they don't want to stick them into another situation where Absolutely. they're going to yeah you know, any chance of being abused and then it's on them you know for us it would be on the state there's yeah. been su- a his, such a history of bad foster parents now they're trying as much as they can to weed that out and not let that happen i'm sure some slip through the cracks
2: oh yeah definitely but,
0: some of the questions they asked, I answered honestly. And I think that kind of threw our uh, resource worker off because she
2: probably has people lie to her about yeah. certain- The good, the bad, and the you
1: know?
2: Yeah, they told us to be insanely honest, uh, but you know, there were two things I think that we both took from it, especially during the classes that number one, they made it clear that our number one priority wasn't to keep these children from their families, it was to help rehabilitate and to help get them back with their families. And then number two, is that the state that these parents, if the child is taken out of their home for physical abuse, say, that the state has a low standard as far as what needs to be completed in order to get that child back in. And they said the hard thing was going to be is us with the Christian values and, and seeing everything from way up, way up high, is that you know we're going to see people doing the bare minimum to get these kids back in. And our point of view is going to be so much higher. It's like, no, they don't need to go back in that. But that's not our call to make It's the court.
0: Yeah. And that's and it it varies, too, from what I've heard from judge to judge. You know, some judges will be like, all right, this parent has checked all the boxes. They, They went to all the whatever they needed to do. So I can't hold them back from going back home. They should be with their blood relatives. But then you get another judge that might not be like that. You know, so it always depends on, on the judge. And, uh, yeah, and if you keep us in prayer, we, there's a uh, court date coming up for a – what is it, a permanency hearing?
1: It's the first permanency
0: hearing, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, we, we want what's best for baby. Yeah. You know, and, it, and that's some some a reason why some people don't get into fostering is because they don't want to get attached and then that child be taken out and sent back to, to a home. So we hear that often, oh, I can never foster because I get so attached my heart would be broken. Yeah, it's like, And I told yeah. you
2: that was one of my concerns. Uh, you know, whenever you and I recorded uh, on Perseverance of the Saints, we had a about a good 30-minute conversation in the middle of that during the break, and I told yeah. you that one of the concerns that we had is that we were going to get a child in home, they were going to be with us for three or four months, and we were going to get attached to the child, and they were going to get pulled out. And you made a very good point. It was like, if you don't get attached to the child, you probably don't need to be doing it in the first place. Right. Right.
0: And even our own children aren't ours anyway, right? So, like, like, our daughter technically, you know, isn't ours because she belongs to God.
2: Yeah.
0: So, we, as parents, no matter what, what child you're parenting, it's hard to remember that, that that child, you're just a store at that moment. So, God can do whatever they want. And that's, that's even hard for me to say because I know the realization of that and what could happen. Yeah. Like, but that's, that's God's child before it's mine. You know, we're, we're just stewards right now. So aside from the fear of maybe getting attached, what other kind of fears do you, would you say you have going into fostering, if you have any at all? Well,
3: that was my main one, was everybody was telling me, oh, you're going to get attached, you're going to get attached. And I think after, like, counsel from Frank's sister-in-law and my grandmother, it was more of the fact that I had to remember myself that if it was two hours or 18 years, that my job is to do what's best for the child, give it a stable home, a schedule, show it the love of God, show it that somebody loves them. And I think that's what really, when we sat down and discussed it after I randomly submitted the application.
2: <laughs> um, my, th- mine was a little bit different, though, because I'm, I'm so analytical with every, any, anything that I come in contact with is I'm sitting there and I'm thinking that, what if I get a child in here that is going through something so traumatic I cannot wow. help the child? that I just don't have that capability to help that child. And at that, that point, do I? am I a failure if I do that? Do I need to continue doing it? And, you know, I, I had to come to grips pretty quick that, you know, there's going to be – and, you know, we every day we face situations that we go through that we have never gone through before, and it doesn't stop the sun from going down. It doesn't – you know, it the, the day still goes. Um, but that was mine was and, – and I still have that fear. You know, Frank does uh, – he's a sex offender counselor. And mm-hmm. so I kind of hear some of the, the horror stories from that aspect. And right now I still do not think that I am prepared mentally or yeah. um, from a trained aspect to be able to handle a situation like that. So that, that's one thing is I, I want to be able to help the child that comes in. But I know first and foremost that whatever child comes into this home, I have the capability, I have the responsibility to present Christ to them and bring about a healing that I can't provide.
3: Well, and I think that's something that we got a lot of peace out—a uh, peace about taking this class and talking with them and discussing thing, discussing just every situation in Georgia. There are fifteen thousand children in the foster care system. When you break it down to percentage wise, you're looking at probably a little over fifty percent is due to drugs, due yeah. to. You know, the, the opioid addiction.
2: Meth is a big yeah. deal here where yeah. we're at in central Georgia. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of meth manufacturing. So, I mean, you have kids that are getting pulled out of meth houses. Mm-hmm. So, wow. so, number one is you're going to have children who have been exposed to these chemicals that are going to need treatment just based upon that alone. Uh, yeah. But that, that in Georgia, the number one reason that kids enter into the foster system and I thought that whenever I, cause I asked the question, I asked, I was like, "What's the number one cause for these children coming into the foster system?" And I was expecting them to say physical abuse. That that's what my expectation was. You no know, drugs, drug use,
3: drugs, and just pure neglect. Yeah, is the two main common reasons in the state of Georgia. Small percentage of like if you look at it on a pie chart of it actually being sexual abuse. Um, and something that we we've discussed going through the classes and talking with each other, after you know, like on the ride home because it was an hour away, was you know it, it makes us feel better. And the, and also, um, not sure how y'all's family services does it, but when our one of our what would you call one of our leaders or one of our counselors, Yes, one of, with the, one of
2: our support team
3: of families for families gets a call. Um, Department of Family Services is required to give them A, B, C, D. You know, they're required a list and are required to tell them everything. With yeah. if you were going just through DFACS, they can say, you know, they can kind of leave some of that off. But because it's a private agency and our support system, when they call the families, they let them know, you know, hey, this is A, B, C. They let them know everything no they were told. Pretty much. There's no surprises going into the home. And then the children are ranked into tiers. So you have, like, tier one, tier two, and tier three. Tier <laughs> one is the tier that we would end up getting. This is the children that are...
2: Our first placement would be, like, a tier one. Those are going to be the ones that haven't experienced that higher level of trauma. Whereas, like, tier three is going to be someone who has experienced, abuse. like, in, intense sexual abuse. and that's going to go in, And that child will go into a home where that family has been properly trained to handle it.
3: So it's not so. After going through that, I think we both felt a lot better knowing that that we were kind of we had that support system behind us. That if we didn't feel comfortable, that they wasn't just going to be like, "Oh, hey, here you go."
2: Gotta
0: take the child. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think here they don't have a system like that. Uh, I think that's awesome that they would you know new people get tier one. Um, But I think like our yeah yeah they're they're supposed to tell us everything
2: if they do like they on do. the
0: phone when they yeah <laughs> yeah they'll all give the you your house they give they you know as much them. information as they have at that time
2: right right and that's what they do with us cuz i mean obviously you know they they even made it a point that you could be sitting on the couch having a conversation with this child and then all of a sudden this child can sit there and say something to you a, mm-hmm. about something that would be that would be indicative of them being sexually abused for instance and that's right. not something that they were aware of so, and I guess those possibilities are always out there.
0: Yeah. And our resource worker, I think when, when we got the call about baby, it was like a month after we were certified. So we got certified in October and then like the beginning of November, we got the call and Karen got the call. So she can probably tell about it a little more than me. So
1: Well, actually I was surprised that we got a newborn because the majority of them, they said are older, but, but like you were saying with, um, we have like a big heroin problem here. With that, they're saying there's more babies than usual. Yeah, they called like on a Tuesday at lunchtime, it was like noon and, and she just said, we have a baby. Whatever they knew because he was a newborn, they didn't know much, you know? So he was only in the NICU for a week because of blood sugar, but that was it. So they didn't know any medical information on the parents. They had, there was no prenatal care. So they didn't really know if he was going to come up with some problems. But anyway, it was basically yes or no. (laughs) Do you accept? So I was like, yeah.
2: (laughs) So a funny fact uh, is before we were going this uh, route into like the foster adoption thing, uh, Shelby asked me, she was like, well, how do you think this works? Uh, I was like, I mean, they just give you a book and you just pretty much look at it and say, I want that one, right? (laughs) And apparently that's not how it works at all. He
3: really thought it was like, hey, these are the kids, you know. Pick one. Here, pick one. Well,
1: it's kind of like that with the ones that are
3: legally free. Well, going through the class, we're sitting there and they pull out a book. (laughs) And we're
2: like, ah, oh, okay. Yeah, I, and and, I, and y'all can see my face, but whenever they did that, I went. <laughs> I, was like, I told you, <laughs> the book doesn't it. it's like the president's book of secrets. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> the book.
0: I see it. That's great. They probably have something similar to to this in, in Georgia, but they have events where you can go and like it's like bowling night or something, and you can go and meet kids that are available. To, to be adopted, which we were intending to go to. But then once we had baby here, we were like, all right, do we really want to do that right now? And, yeah. you know, but I'm sure. Yeah, certain- just
1: got to sign up for one and then he showed up. Yeah. So anyway, the end of that story is that day, it was a Tuesday. He was in our house within like three or four hours. Yeah. They,
2: uh, but, him over. they told us that we would have maybe if we got a phone call that we would have maybe 15, 20 minutes to make a, uh, make a decision. Mm-hmm. Because Defact isn't only working with that agency, so I mean Defact is working within the Defact system, other agencies. So you have people that are just making phone calls left and right, and of course our our worker is trying to match us up with with a child that he believes is going to be the right fit for our family. Right. So you know we don't we don't have time. Well, let me sleep on it and I'll get back with you tomorrow. We don't have time to do that. It's pretty right. much uh, get a phone call. It was like okay, well, let me call let me call Shelby. Tell her what I got, and then we pretty much had to make the call based off of that.
3: Yeah, I yeah. told him. I told him we were talking about whose name should be down for anything, and I was like, you might as well just put James's name down because I'll be like, yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> next, next thing you know, we'll, we'll have thirty three foster kids, and <laughs> that's that's awesome. Do you have uh, any questions for us? Yeah, what what has been what what's been the most difficult? part of the fostering process for you after you're I mean after getting the child in the home what has been the most difficult reality of it
0: for me it was just adjusting to having a baby again you know our daughter is nine so it's been a long time since I've changed diapers or make a bottle and I'm still bad at it but I think I'm better than I was (laughs) when my daughter was born yeah I mean Am I better at it now, kind of? All right. <laughs> I think we're both better because
1: when we had that first baby, we weren't in a good place, I don't think. Yeah. So we didn't have nearly as much patience or mm-hmm. we weren't Christians. Yeah, yeah, we weren't. (laughs) I think that's a big part of it. That does help. We didn't have guns, so we were we were living selfishly, and our daughter was she was colicky, so uh, Mm -hmm. we didn't sleep for like the first six months at least. Well, I didn't sleep. Yeah, he might have got
0: probably. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Yeah, but when we got him, uh, you know, at least for the first month, it was he he was kind of had some acid reflux, so he'd be up all night, not really sleeping through the night but like now he now he does and you know yeah
1: he's actually a pretty easy baby overall like he's way easier than our daughter was so i feel like honestly we've had it pretty easy because he actually he has no health issues and everyone who's bit so you get monthly visitors too you have yeah. his caseworker his lawyer our resource worker the nurse like so many people come every month and visit and and write reports and stuff and they have all been so nice like i've also heard stories about people not liking their workers and blah 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 but honestly (laughs) i don't know we've we've pretty much had the best case scenario for our first one so i mean who knows what could happen down the line right so probably not very helpful in that aspect yeah
2: yeah (laughs) i mean are, are you are you guys like planning uh do you have intention of adopting one day or are you just looking to be like a long-term foster, foster parent?
1: Yeah. We're just like you guys uh, foster to adopt. So. so
0: yeah, we're hoping, you know, again, it's in God's hands, but we would like to adopt him. You know, we want him to be part of our family and at the same time we wouldn't want to, you know, if, if you know, he does have family that cares about him that might not be able to take him in. But we've told them that we don't want to take this child from you like if we adopt we will definitely keep him in contact we want him to know his heritage you know we want him to, to know his family so that our intention would never be to like adopt him and run away like that's not yeah. any any yeah. child we would adopt. keep
1: his family yeah. in his life
0: right because that that's important and like you said you know the goal even even of uh, you know the state is to reunify reunification is the ultimate goal if, if the parent can get their act together get clean and and take the child back yes that's the ultimate goal which I think is a great thing it's not to separate that family connection yeah. and at the same time that's what we wouldn't want to do if we adopt we just want to have that contact so he can know his family and know his culture and you know we'll, we'll learn Spanish because you know he has a Dominican background so I'm I'm willing to I, I can't, I've been saying that for years. I'm going to learn Spanish. Oh,
2: here's you know, your I chance. Spanish
0: in high school, and I yeah, you know, they're like, hola, no, hola, <laughs> <yeah>. see <"Si." laughs> That's all I
2: know. No, <laughs> but... <laughs> that's pretty simple. <laughs> but... Yeah, so
1: we find out. So June will be that first hearing where they they decide whether to flip our case to adoption being the goal. you've yes. asked them. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: And then after that, we do adopt and our house is still open for future foster children as well. So like, it's not like we adopt him and then no, that's it. We got one. Like, no, it will still be open to bringing in more children and, you know, whatever happens from there happens
2: you know i think one of the hardest things for us uh, whenever we were going through the classes was so one of the things that they were saying in the class is that there are fifteen thousand kids in the foster system obviously there's not that many people stepping up to adopt these children or to bring them into their homes and within our location the central georgia location in and of itself there are enough baptist churches in the area that if one family in each of these churches were to step up and become foster parents, that it would completely eliminate that system that they needed. And that is very unfortunate. And I can only imagine what it is in larger states like you guys live in.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's, it's frustrating because there's, there's homes. And I don't want to, you know, be judgmental. And that sadly happens sometimes, right? Like why can't this person take a, you know, a foster child yeah sure sure but but it is it, it, yeah it, it is sad that you know families that would be good at it but they're just afraid to step up or or people who have been like trying to have children and then they're like all right well you know god hasn't intended me to have children you know it's, it's just like well just do it like don't yeah. it is a scary thing like we've talked about our fears and and we're still so afraid of it and, and even the whole process of, of being licensed I was still fearful but yet yeah you still have to just just go for it step out in faith and and trust and keep praying it, it makes you rely on God more so the scripture that comes to mind I'm gonna share a Bible verse because it's a Christian podcast you more uh, <laughs> you know in, in James 1 verse 27 you know religion that is pure and undefiled before God the father is this to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. So to mm-hmm. take care of widows and orphans, orphan child would be a foster child or one that's been abandoned. Right. You know? And that's, you know, part of why I got into this is because I go out to the abortion mill and I try to stop these women, you know, and preach the gospel and and have them not kill their babies, you know, all these babies that are being murdered. And so I started doing that and I'm like, well, I still have to get involved some other way and you don't necessarily have to get involved in foster or adopting, but I felt called to do that as well. So if I'm going to preach this, I want to also have an opportunity for these women to, I can say to them, I'll adopt your baby right now. You know, let's, let's go to the state. Let's let's work this through, like take care of those widows and orphans. And so I I want to encourage other Christians out there. If your house is available, you know, just get into it. Just do it. Just start fostering and you don't have to do it to adopt. Just, just provide a home.
1: Yeah, like you guys were saying, if they're only with you for a day or two, you yeah. might be the only family that showed them that love. Yeah. You know?
2: And, you know, one of, the, one of the, and you talk about going to the abortion mills, one of the very early on, whenever we were making it known that, hey, we're going through these classes, we're looking to get certified, we're looking to become foster parents. I don't know if you guys experienced it, but we had people that were trying to discourage us in a way. From going through the system, and I had a, I, I still have a very big issue with this because you, I, to me, you can't sit there and say that that you are a proponent that you're pro life, uh, but at the same time you're not looking to step up and go and go these routes for these children. Uh, ba- basically, we were like, you don't want these kids in your home. They're they're troubled. They're damaged. They're gonna mess. They're gonna mess your life up blah 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 and so and and my reaction to that is so what you're basically saying is that the best thing that we can do is abort them in the womb if we're not if we're not going to take that extra step then the unbelievers the proponents for abortion they have a valid argument well are you going to step up and adopt or foster these kids if our answer is no what are we even doing here right (laughs) sure what are we even doing here
0: and, and you know what? I'm I messed up. I'm, I'm, you know, I have issues. You know, like.
1: Like we didn't think, like going into this, I kept thinking we're not, we're not worthy of this task. You know what I mean? Like we're not prepared. We're not, you know, but at the end of the day, it's like you guys said here in your last podcast, if we let all those fears stop us from doing this and it comes from selfishness because yeah, you don't want these kids to mess up your life. Just like a pregnant woman wants to get rid of her baby. Cause that baby's gonna mess up her life, you know. Yeah,
2: absolutely. It's mess
1: up her schedule. It's gonna mess up her hopes and dreams, you know. It's gonna be a, a wrench in the works. But you have to just stop being selfish and take care of those orphans, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, and and we that, didn't. Think we were. Oh, sorry.
3: Well, and one thing you know, y'all said you know, y'all's process was like, bam, you know, y'all learned, y'all. It really hasn't been a bit you know y'all haven't had a lot of issues with y'all's you know child protective services y'all hadn't had these horror stories that you hear the thing that people I don't think that clicks with them is you're going to hear more of the bad in any situation if a restaurant serves you wrong and your service is horrible you're going to hear the bad if Uh a company you know does you wrong you're going to hear that bad review so these families who have put it out there, you know, well, I've, I had this horrible experience and this child, you know, w- was
2: this child, stood over me, this with, child a stood over and, me with a knife with a knife while I was sleeping and they said that in the class and I was like that's my kind of child. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but you're going to yeah, you're going to hear that more because people's going to be more willing to They're
2: going to be a lot more vocal about uh, the negative yeah. aspects. So They're going to be
3: vocal about the negative aspects. Our last day of class. We sat in front of a, pan- a panel of people, so we had our caseworker that works with directly with DFACS for us.
2: We had two foster families in two. there, people that actually had had placements, that had experience. They sat in there, and I mean, this this was a panel. They were completely opened up for question and answer.
3: Mm-hmm. And then we had a...
2: Honestly, nobody knows what it stands for. It's an acronym called CASA, but yeah. it's basically another caseworker that, that uh, basically acts in between uh, the family meetups.
3: Yeah, so it's where the the families go and you have your visitation. It's the visitation supervisor. And so we were talking with them, and one of the ladies is like, you know, my children wasn't abused sexually. They wasn't abused physically. It was neglect and drugs. Mm -hmm. One of the child's teeth was rotten out. They do have behavioral issues. But we have so much support with our agency that, you know, we got them into a dentist. We got them into a doctor. We have physical therapy. We have you know, emotional support all set up for this child, you know. And then it's uh, one of my coworkers actually fostered for a little while through our Department of Family Services. And, you know, she was like, the agent never got back with me, Um, you know. Basically
2: all the horror stories is what she got.
3: Her first placement was fine. But all she can, you know, focus on is that bad experience she had because yeah. there are 15,000 children in the state of Georgia, and there are only X number of, of caseworkers that have 20, 30 children
1: each. And then again, like if you have your own children, if your children come up with these problems, you're not going to give up on your own children. Like,
2: yeah. And... I like
1: think it's different because, I mean, we now have the benefit of seeing both sides because we have one, one biological child and one foster. And I always say this to people because they're like, is it different? Do you feel differently about your foster child? <laughs> and I say, from the moment, like they brought him in, I was in love with him. Like it was mm-hmm. that same instant love I had for my daughter. Yeah. You know? Just because this, this child is, is in my care now. I'm entrusted with this child. It just, you just love them no matter what.
3: Yeah. So I think the one thing I've said most to a lot of people who's asked questions, who's like, oh, you're going to do that. Well, this is the horror story I've heard. Yeah. I explained that to them that you're going to get those negative reviews. That's the thing people's going to focus on. you have to look at the positive side. That even my non-Christian friends, I'm like, you know, you're going to be a stable home. You're going to be make sure that these kids eat three times a day, or, and you know, right. have snacks when they want them, and you know, have just showered with love.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, let's let's do this. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna take a break, and then we're gonna. Uh, come back but i think that as you guys continue through your process of, of fostering and we continue on ours that we should continue to have follow up episodes to kind of give updates
1: that's a good idea of, yeah.
0: uh, you know this way we're, we're kind of encouraging each other but we're also going to encourage others that are thinking about fostering or maybe they'll they'll get into it and ask us questions as well but we're going to take a short break we're going to hear from from pastor Gabe Talking about some guy, Andrew Rappaport, and his rap report. So let's hear from him now.
2: Andrew Rappaport's Rap Report is a podcast providing biblical interpretations and applications. It is a ministry of striving for eternity and part of the Christian podcast community. We provide a biblical view of cultural events, discuss how to apply God's word to the Christian life, address issues that concern the church, and we even take some time to offer a correct understanding of those commonly misinterpreted passages of Scripture. You will hear from great guests
4: like Justin Peters, Todd Friel, Jay Warren Wallace, and Gabe Hughes. Andrew has the Rap Report Daily, which is a two-minute Monday through Friday podcast, and then the longer Rap
2: Report podcast for more content. Subscribe to both today by searching for Rap Report on any podcast app, spelled R-A-P-P, report, or click the
4: podcast link at strivingforeternity.org.
0: All right, and we're back And we are here once again with James Watkins and his wife, Shelby, from the five solas podcast. And James, just tell us about your podcast.
2: So it really got launched uh, about a year and a half ago. We launched uh, kind of a little bit of an apparel line called graceful and witness apparel. And the intention was always to branch off into a podcast and i wanted to do something that was going to get our name out there a little more so i did the apparel line and it worked uh, i got our name out there but then i started thinking um i'm the the gospel gets so watered down uh every every where we turn the gospel is just getting watered down watered down watered down so you know i was gonna do uh i had a lot of different names that i was coming up with 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 wanting to do a podcast and I didn't have a definite date on when I wanted to launch it, but I looked at her one day and I was like, I'm, I'm, about, to, I'm about to do it. She's okay. So, I, I this wanted... was
3: after he ordered the microphone yeah. and <laughs> other stuff. And he's like, by the way,
2: by the way, I'm about to start a podcast. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> but um, so I wanted to do something. And people hear Five Solas Podcast, you know, I, I, the name's grown on me a lot, but really the reason why I did that name. Is I started out with the five solo, with the 5S podcast is what I started out the name as. Uh, but I wanted to do something that was just going to make it recognizable that the second someone read the name of the podcast, they knew immediately what the podcast was going to stand for. And then the one thing that I wanted to be known for with the podcast was the Transparency. Um, yeah. I'm, I have very real struggles. We've had very real struggles. We have very real struggles. And I think that that's something that's lacking within the church is our openness with those struggles. Now, I'm not saying that we should go around telling everyone every intricate detail of our lives. But the things that affect our Christian walk, if, if it can be beneficial to other believers to hear about these things, and it can help them in their growth with Christ – then I'd see no reason why we shouldn't be open about it. So I wanted to launch a Reformed Theology podcast that was going to be dedicated to Reformed theological distinctives. And I wanted to, because the, here's the thing is that those rallying cries, uh, by grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone, according to scripture alone to the glory of God alone, those truths are still very applicable and relevant for today. Uh, and, and the reason that, that's the case is because its foundation is on the scriptures, its foundation on God's word and its truth within. So I wanted to have a podcast that was dedicated to the Reformed theology, and I wanted people to be able to identify immediately whenever they've seen the name what this podcast is about. And it has taken off for us uh, (laughs) a lot more than than I thought it was going to. Um, I've gotten so much great response from people. have been very fortunate with people who have helped disciple me from a podcast aspect. But so then the mindset becomes, okay, well, what can we do to help carry the gospel out further? My goal has always been to have a ministry. Uh, you know, you I look at ministries like Striving for Eternity Ministries, Justin Peters Ministries, CARM.org, when Matt Slate. those have been very influential in my mm-hmm. growth. And here's the thing is that all of them have some similarities within the ministries, but they also have their distinctives, and they contribute in their own way. So I, had, at first I was like, do I really need to launch another ministry? Do I really need to launch another podcast? There's so many out there already, but then, you know, there's only one me. You know, it's it's not arrogant for us to know that each one of us individually being created in the image of God, but also being distinct from every other individual is that we can all contribute something in the furthering of the gospel. And that is why ultimately I wanted to branch out with the podcast, and now I want to grow a ministry. And we just launched our ministry page, uh, Five Souls Ministries, and it's going to be Reformed Theology-centered, of course, uh, also dealing with that transparency. I still want to carry that transparency over, encouraging other believers to be transparent in their lives and their Christian walk, because their Christian walk, on some days, it can suck. If we're being honest, it can be very difficult. And I think it can be very encouraging to other believers. So I want to I want to have that Reformed Theology-centered, Apologetic-centered, Discernment-centered. You know, I've got a lot of study that I've got to do if I want to be as big of an impact as, as, I, as I see it. But, you know, we've been very fortunate along the way to see other ministries and how they've grown Uh, just by being faithful to God's word and trusting in the word of God to do the work of God. Amen.
0: And that's something too, you know, when we started our podcast, it's like, all right, there's so many podcasts out there. Who's this really going to interest, you know? uh, But like you said, everybody's different. God has, has made us, there's, you know, different parts of the body of Christ and what might appeal to one person might not appeal to somebody else. So each person's personality getting out there and bringing you know we all are coming from a biblical perspective in our you know podcasts uh but we're be like, touching on something a little bit differently that could somebody can relate to uh that somebody's interested in listening to somebody's interested in sharing and you know who knows where it can go from here for the for the kingdom and you know even if it's just one one show gets shared and it makes a difference you know even if this show gets shared and somebody now i'm going to foster right yeah. and who, who yeah. was kind of on the fence about it. And now they're encouraged to go do that. You know, God has used both of you and us and, you know, social media to get that out there. You know, if one person hears the gospel because they listen to a five solos uh, episode where you're, you're talking about, you know, uh, perseverance of the saints or, you know, when you did the series on TULIP, if that, even if that brings somebody to a better understanding of Reformed theology, you know, it's, it's all worth it for, for the yeah. kingdom.
2: And, you know, I was surprised. Andrew gave me a call, and he was like, do you know where, uh, what country you're listened to the most? And, of course, I was like, United States? He was like, well, yeah, uh, other than the United States. And I was like, no, he said Australia. And I was like, I don't even know anyone in Australia. (laughs) So, I mean, (laughs) mean, whenever Jesus talked about us being able to do greater things than him, obviously I can't calm storms. Obviously I can't raise the dead. uh, But I can present the gospel. And he has graciously given us these formats to where we can get this message across the world so much quicker. That I mean, at that point in his humanity, Jesus is confined to one place at one point in time, whereas now he didn't have social media. I mean, it would have been easy for him if he had a camera then to repent and believe the gospel. You know, know, all, all six plus billion people are able to see it at that point. But that's not the... The, in God's decree, that's not the time that he chose to have Christ enter into humanity. But we have yep. outlets available to us. We have these podcast outlets. And I got it whenever I wanted to start my podcast. Like, why are you even going to do this? And it's like, why not? I mean, if, I went through some pretty traumatic stuff with dealing with my depression, almost killing myself. But then I was a recipient of so much grace. And that grace is unending now. And completely unending, and I think that a part of what's going to translate over to other people from us from the five solas is that interaction that I had with that darkness in my life. Is that's going to allow me to reach a people group who right. you know maybe someone like Andrew doesn't it doesn't quite appeal to uh, his kind of focus on hermeneutics and interpretation and evangelism it doesn't quite sit with them at that point in in their life, but they can listen to five solas and see, Hey, this is a guy that went through it. I I relate to him very strongly. Mm -hmm. And it's like Spurgeon preaching, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He said he was able to save a man from suicide because he had been confined in the dungeon in which he lay. There's something to people that have gone through light circumstances, being able to bond and being able to have a connection. And that's what we want to create
0: and I, I think you uh, you're very successful at, at creating that that atmosphere on your podcast and i always i'm glad we have that that commercial that we play and i, I try to shout you guys out as much as possible because it's a, a podcast that i enjoy listening to and, and has been beneficial to me and uh, while we're talking about grace do you want to share the uh, the gospel of grace with our listening audience, put you on the spot there.
2: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and then, I'll,
0: then I'm going to end with asking you a, a fun question.
2: Okay. All right. Yeah. So the gospel is the good news of salvation that is only found in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. We go to the Garden of Eden, and in order to start, it doesn't make sense to start with the good news, which is what gospel means. There has to logically be bad news, That we need to know of before we go to good news, or otherwise the good news makes no sense. And the bad news is that in the garden, we were created very good. God's creation was good. It was very good. Within the garden, man's pride got in the way. The deepest part of man wanted to be God. That was the promise given by Satan that you will be like God and ultimately we fell all of us fell uh, as a result of the disobedience of Adam and Eve in the garden of Eden and for all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death and that death is an eternity in hell and that is why i went to a funeral today of a church member who was killed in a car crash and you know i'm surrounded by people who are mourning deeply for their mother their grandmother and the reason why we are mourning in such a way is because death is so unnatural to God's good creation. There's a remedy for that, not necessarily in the physical sense but in the in the spiritual sense. God left heaven and entered into his creation as a man. At one point in time, he lived a perfect and sinless life completely in obedience. He Went willingly to a cross, suffered and died on that cross, paying the debt that we the sinners owe to God, and he rose from the dead on the third day, conquering sin, death, and the power of hell forever on our behalf. And that the command in Scripture is for us to place our faith in Christ alone, and we will be saved. It's John three sixteen, the most famous verse in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And that is the gospel call to Believe If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And you are being saved from God's righteous wrath and judgment upon sin against you. Instead, you're clothed with the righteousness of Christ. And that's the good news is that we are spared because Christ took exactly what we deserved on that Roman cross.
0: Amen. 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 Can't, couldn't say it better myself. I have a 20
2: second version of that too. So <laughs> right. if, I, if I get a telemarketer, I literally have a 20 second spiel. You know I want to
0: start doing that. I, I usually ignore those calls, but I'm like, now I'm going to start answering them and say, I
1: did
0: that once. Let me tell you about Jesus before you tell me your spiel. I'll listen to you.
2: <laughs> well, I had to do no, 20 seconds because they would hang up on me if I, if I went.
1: Yeah, oh, you can't oh. say, let
3: me tell you about Jesus. You just have to do your spiel. And generally, about the 15 second mark is when they generally hang up. Yeah. yeah. Or they start cussing at you.
0: <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> Well, here's the fun question: Who would win in a MMA fight, Frank Mullis or Vody
2: Bachm? Mm, yeah, you were right. I wasn't prepared for this one. Here, okay. So here's I have the a thing. follow up too. I have a follow. And and, and you know, the funny thing is, is whenever Frank did his podcast initially, the first episode he ever did was with Vody Bachm at the G three conference a couple of years ago, and I was the one that sat there and recorded it. <laughs> so uh, so uh, an MMA match with Frank Mullis and Vodi Baccom. So Frank is a very high level Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. Vodi Baccom is a blue belt, I do believe. Vodi is a big guy. Mm-hmm. Frank Mullis is not a small guy. I would I would think that with Frank's expertise in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, and he does have a, a background in stand up as well that at some point, Frank would get him on the ground and I'm going to say Frank by laying on top of him and suffocating.
0: Okay. Nice. And I like how you analyze that leading up to the answer. Yeah, you
1: gave us some good
0: information. <laughs> <about> <laughs> <those> sides. <laughs> All right. Well, there, there's there's another pretty famous apologist out there who also does martial arts, who's known for martial arts, and some call him the ninja. I don't know if you're familiar with Jeff Durbin.
2: I am familiar with Jeff Durbin.
0: Okay, so who do you think would win that match with Frank Mullis and Jeff Durbin?
2: I think <laughs> Jeff Durbin, with his ninja skills, probably Frank loves sushi uh, is his biggest weakness. I think Jeff Durbin knocks Frank out cold via sushi roll to the face. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: I didn't realize how high level uh Jeff Durbin was and I started watching videos on on YouTube and I, I did not realize how high level he was but if Frank gets him to the ground he's tapped that's out it. pretty that's quick that's the
0: thing
2: he has to get him to the ground and I think I actually I think Frank would be good enough to be able to close the distance on that pretty quick and Mm. and get it done <laughs> so actually i'm gonna change you know serious note here and i and you know maybe maybe i you know i'm I'm a little podcast with the five souls podcast but maybe somehow some way in the future i can facilitate it uh we i can make that happen <laughs> 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 frank has connections that would
0: be amazing <laughs> i want ringside seats yeah.
2: <laughs> charity
0: yeah we raised for the orphans, money. yeah, we are orphans raise some money for end abortion now. Nah, there you go. So you can you can find both our podcasts and the Podcast community dot org. I think it's dot org, right? Dot org. ChristianPodcastCommunity.org. dot <laughs> <I'm laughs>
2: org. It's StrivingForEternity.org. dot org. It's
0: also on there too. The link takes you to Striving for Eternity. Also on iTunes, you can find both our podcasts on iTunes. Where else are you? Are you? Is the Five Souls?
2: We're all over. We're on. Of course, you can go to StrumForEternity and we're on there. We're on Apple. We're on Android. I don't think we've made it on Spotify yet. I think Andrew's still working on that. But all of the major podcasting apps, we should be on there. Um, so that's where you can find us, and we link it every single week on our ministry page as well as the podcast page.
0: Awesome. You have anything else to, to add? Subtract? No division.
2: You know, other other than the gospel is, you, you know, I make yeah, I make it a point. Uh, I make we're... it a point every week. I try to anyways. That I I hope unbelievers listen i i hope that there are goats that are posing as sheep that listen because they're gonna hear it every single week and i hope that it just steams at their heart
0: amen god's word does not come out void and the word of god does the work of god amen we've uh, we've enjoyed talking to you all and uh hope you have a yeah yeah the meantime we hope that you will seek the
1: kingdom of god and continue to learn what we are even doing here grace
0: and peace
2: did we just become best friends yep (laughs) frank loves sushi